Let us worship God. first reading is from the prophet Isaiah, the 49th chapter, beginning with the first verse. In preparation to hear these words, let us pray. Guide us, O God, by your word and spirit, that in your light we may see light, that in your truth we may find freedom, that in your will we may discover your peace. Through Jesus Christ, amen. Listen to me, O coastlands. Pay attention, you peoples from far away. The Holy One called me before I was born. While I was in my mother's womb, God named me. God made my mouth like a sharp sword. In the shadow of God's hand, the Holy One hid me. God made me a polished arrow. In God's quiver, the Holy One hid me away. And God said to me, you are my servant, Israel, in whom I will be glorified. But I said, I have labored in vain. I have spent my strength for nothing and vanity. Yet surely my cause is with the Holy One and my reward with my God. And now the Holy One says, who formed me in the womb to be God's servant, 
to bring Jacob back to God and that Israel might be gathered to God. For I am honored in the sight of the Holy One, and my God has become my strength. God says, it is too light a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the survivors of Israel. I will give you as a light to the nations that my salvation may reach the end of the earth. Thus says the Holy One, the Redeemer of Israel and God's anointed, to one deeply despised, abhorred by the nations, the slave of rulers. Monarchs shall see and stand up, royals, and they shall prostrate themselves because of God, who is faithful, the Holy One of Israel, who has chosen you. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Thanks be to God. Sent by my God am I, my hand. 
second reading is from the Gospel of John, the first chapter beginning with the 29th verse. The next day, John saw Jesus coming towards him and declared, Here is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who ranks ahead of me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but I came baptizing with water for this reason, that he might be revealed to Israel. And John testified, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain is the one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I myself have seen and I have testified that this is the Son of God. The next day, John again was standing with two of his disciples. And as he watched Jesus walk by, he exclaimed, Look, here is the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. When Jesus turned and saw them following, he said to them, What are you looking for? They said to him, Rabbi, which translated means teacher. Where are you staying? He said to them, Come and see. They came and saw where he was saying, staying, and they remained with him that day. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon. One of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which is translated anointed. He brought Simon to Jesus, who looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John. You are to be called Cephas, which is translated Peter. Here ends the reading. On a frosty Colorado morning, when the sun was shining, but the neighboring farm's irrigation water was still frozen over, my older brother Jordan and I packed a lunch and headed to the ditch. Why was this the spot for a day-long adventure? I don't know. I probably would have followed him anywhere and thought it was grand. At some point, it became a home away from home, a place we were allowed to go unsupervised, as if an extension to our backyard. We played on our side of the ditch, climbed trees and poked sticks at the frozen ice below, and when lunchtime came, we sat dangling our feet and eating peanut butter and honey sandwiches, delighting in the crunch of sugar crystallized in the cold. Just across the frozen water was a host of playgrounds in parks that bordered our elementary school with playgrounds of its own. But the rules were we had to stay on our side of the ditch, and we didn't mind. When the light began to change, we packed up and went home, accomplished in our adventure and satisfied. 
When school was in session and going out to the playground was required, the two of us never sharing the same one, I ran to the swings and sang, sweet low, sweet chariot, imagining my brother, when I looked over Jordan and what did I see coming for to carry me home, a band of angels coming after me, coming for to carry me home. He was with me always. He might have liked to be with me less. Such is the life of the first and second born. I have a working theory that in the imagination of the ancient Jewish people, they saw themselves as the second child. In our reading from Isaiah, he, or maybe she, is trying to gather the people, encouraging them to return to Israel after the Babylonian exile. And though it's proving difficult, few are feeling particularly inspired to come back to a ditch of rubble, God decides the task was too light a thing to assign to this chosen servant, and that they are now tasked to gather in all the nations from the ends of the earth. True to the linguistical genius of this poetic prophet, as they tell of the task at hand, they interweave allusions to the story of the people's namesake, to Jacob, who became Israel. Jacob, of course, is a second-born child. While still in his mother's womb, he's already laboring with his brother, trying to win the blessing reserved for the firstborn. And when he emerges into the world, he's grasping Esau's heel. When his father is on his deathbed, Jacob is still determined to receive Esau's blessing. So dressing in goatskins, he tricks Isaac into giving it to him instead. Jacob, in turn, gets deceived himself. His father-in-law-to-be, Laban, tricks him into marrying the firstborn, Leah. He has to serve an additional seven years before he is given Laban's blessing to marry Rachel, the second-born, who he really loves. Eventually, Jacob has to face his brother, who's in the company of 400 men. And Jacob is sure he's going to be killed. So he prepares to give all that he has, all that he's taken, back to Esau, sending wave after wave of his treasure with hopes that by the time he greets him, Esau will be appeased. But the night before this final meeting, across the river Jabbok, he comes face to face with God, wrestling throughout the night. And though this should have meant his end, against all odds, he survives and is affirmed in receiving a blessing by being given the name Israel. When Jacob, now Israel, meets his brother the next day, Esau is confused by the waves of flocks and herds, and he runs up to greet him, blessing him with an embrace of kisses and tears. Esau tells him he doesn't need any of this treasure, and to please keep it 
for he has plenty. The band of men, he explains, were not there to war, but come in the spirit of guardian angels coming for to carry him home. Having been blessed by Esau, Israel insists on offering all that he has back. Seeing Esau face to face now, he says, is like being received favorably by God. So this one-sided war between siblings ends, and their coming together becomes a mutual blessing of peace. At the end of his life, when Israel is on his deathbed, his favorite son, Joseph, returns to him after his own long, hard life away. And he brings his two sons for a blessing. And though by now it should not be surprising, Israel gives the blessing reserved for the firstborn to the second instead. And when Joseph tries to intervene, Israel assures him that the blessing of the second child wasn't a mistake. And it's a blessing that extends to the ends of the earth. It is a truth that even when fought for is hard to receive. That we are worthy. And that there is no scarcity to the blessing it keeps on growing. As much as the story of Israel is a story of mistakes made, of dishonesty honed, of struggle born, it's also a story of love. It's a story of a people born lowly who were never meant to survive, but who did. A people who didn't appear worthy of being chosen but who were, a people who endured great loss, whose dreams were broken, but who still were given a blessing, a people still worthy of a new day. So Isaiah invites them to come back to the rubble of home, back to the ditches that once watered the fields, back to the cedars that held their prayers of peace, and to rebuild, that their blessing might be a blessing to the earth. Amazingly, when we get to the Gospel of John, it continues to be surprising that the one born so lowly could be bearing the light of God. So John the Baptist and Jesus Keep the tradition of Israel's rule-defying chosenness going. Jesus and John also meet in the womb. And this time it is John who tries to convince the people that the one born second is legitimate to follow. Jesus is the one John has been preparing them for the one who will be baptizing them with the Spirit of God. And then Jesus picks up this baton and keeps going, though Andrew, the older brother of Simon, is the first to respond 
to John's message and is the one who tells Simon about Jesus. It is Simon, this second-born, Jesus blesses as the son of John and who Jesus renames Peter, the rock upon which the church is built. So the blessing of the second continues. It is a disorienting blessing to receive. That whatever our birth order or whoever we might compare ourselves to, whatever our accolades or wisdom of things seen or unseen, we are enough. Our blessings are not a mistake. I always thought my brother was the smart one, the creative one. He was the leader. He was beautiful and strong and wise, and I had to work harder to be so blessed. And the truth is, he is all of those things. And to see him face to face for me is still like being received favorably by God. When I was born, he was there. I've never known the world without him. But we grow up, and we go away, and years pass, and we greet each other again, and we meet children, and we are baptized by another truth, that the blessing reserved for the first is also given to the second. And the blessing doesn't end with us. It keeps going to the ends of the earth. Amen.
as we continue now with the prayer chants, you are invited in the silence of your hearts to offer your prayers of intercession and supplication, those prayers for the world, for those you love, and for yourself to be given to God. Thank you. 
Let us pray. Holy One, you have fed us in silence, in song, in bread, and in community. And for that, we give you our thanks and our praise. Amen. Go forth infused with your blessing, letting it sustain you as you give it on to others. And may the grace of God who created you in love, the peace of Christ who teaches it is possible to be loved, and the power of the Spirit who calls you ever forward into new experiences of love, be and abide with you this day, this week, and evermore. Amen. Thank you.